Episode 62, Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The beat goes on night number four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Big picture, Craig, as you're back from Germany where you are outstanding at the U18s. Have you enjoyed playoff hockey so far? Does anything stand out as you've watched these opening nights? I'm going to answer the first question. Uh, yes, it's been great coming back. Playoff hockey is unbelievable. Does anything stand out? Yeah, you know what stands out? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Why do I keep betting against the Carolina Hurricanes? Why? Why? I ask myself. I watch them win game one, and then I go, okay, well, maybe that's just game. Then I watch them game two, and I sit there and I go, why? 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 I ask you, my friend, Mr. Coolis, why do I not go with the Carolina Hurricanes? Here's what I'm going to do here today, okay? Yeah. I, I am apologizing to Kaniacs everywhere around the world, okay? I am sorry for doubting your Kaniacs. I am sorry for doubting the brilliant Broad Brindamore. I love the way the Canes play. There is no more doubting. I, I, I Like, you know what? You have to look in the mirror, and you have to go, you're the problem, Mr. Button, nobody else. And you can't keep trying to convince yourself that you're right. I've been wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm on the cane train and I need to be on the cane train. And the question is, I kept missing the cane train. Well, uh, it takes a, um, a strong man to uh, have the courage <laughs> to admit that they are wrong. And you are somebody that does stand up at the times that you are to say, hey, as people have doubted the canes at certain times, it made me look closely at elements of their lineup. And I've. I've believed I've, I've thought that the Canes had the road going through a Bruin team and Rangers or Pittsburgh to get to the conference final for me. That's a par for them because they are that good. So we had the Freddie Anderson storyline, then anti Ranta hurts out Pyotr Kochetkov in Ranta hurts again. Kochetkov in and wins again. I mean, we're talking about depth here as we're down to a number three goalie that is not lost yet. So let's start, first of all, with Antti Ranta, okay? I love him. He was on the show. He taught us uh, European swear words. It was great. Some people <laughs> never get hurt. Yep. And he probably ushered one as he left the ice last night. Some people play every game. Other people are just, they're injury prone, okay? So God bless Antti Ranta. I don't know how you get cramps and leaves a game. I would be, I'd have mustard packs in my blocker. So the Pasternak blow to the head. Uh, he was trying to not get hit with the puck and then sticks out his right arm, gets Ranta. They review it and look at it. Is two minutes enough to knock a goalie out of a game? Like big picture, like two and a 10. Or if the goalie's gone, I got, put it this way. Let's say that's Wah or Brodeur or Hashik or like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's just crime and punishments. So he leaves the game. Now the Canes still win, and Svechnikov nails Lindholm with a great check. Like the series, you know what the Canes have said? I don't care if we go get Cam Ward at a retirement and play. We're going to win. We're going to swarm you. Like they beat the Bruins five games this year. 26 to what are the scores? 26 to five? Like that's not even close. The only time it's been close was the beginning of game one first period and a half and the Bruins yeah. should have had to, and they didn't. So I don't know what to say. I hope Piotr can go in and do the job. Freddie come back. They're swarming like the road to the Eastern conference final goes through Raleigh. Like it's, it's up to them. If they just get average goaltending, that's the way I look at it, Craig. 
well, and and they're and they're getting better than average goaltending. So like you know, so like you 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 you've nailed it to, down to uh, just average goal. They're getting better than average goaltending. You know, I told you Kochetkov is a good goaltender. He was a, he was a high second round draft pick, Steve. This is no accident, right? Like what he's doing, and you know, playing in the KHL, then he comes over, gets acclimated, uh, you know, and and rather quickly, I would say, acclimated, right? Like coming on over and playing, and then doing his thing, and. You know, so let's go back to the crime and punishment. You know, like, so so in the international ice hockey rules, if you make head contact and you're given that penalty, it's an automatic 10-minute misconduct, right? Like, I stand on the record. I think that we, we need to put more teeth into, into the rules with respect to head contact to try to avoid it. Listen, is all head contact uh, 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 unavoidable? No, but... You, you can slow the game down by saying you're going to sit for 10. Maybe you didn't, but, but even inadvertent head contact, you're sitting for 10 minute misconduct. You're out of the game. That slows things down. And anyway, so when I look at that play last night, like, like I was surprised about the, the, the way the whole thing unfolded. I like, I mean, I can't say like, it, it, to me, it was one of those things where you, you, you know, it just, it was an intersection of, of bad fortune for obviously Ranta and then for David Pasternak. Like, I, I don't even, I don't think it deserves anything more than it got because I don't think there was like, you know, Pasternak's in, like, to me, Pasternak was in a defensive mode, <laughs> like, you know, so like, he's not trying to deliver a check. He's not trying to go at him. He's not trying to get the goalie uh, unsettled in any way. It's, it, it's just a, it, it's like lemony, uh, lemony snickets. A series of unfortunate events. That's how I looked at it with David Pasternak. Okay, give him the penalty, move on, and let's get get on. It's it's unfortunate for Antti Ranta. What's fortunate for the Carolina Hurricanes is that they have Kochetkov. Like and and you know again, building your organization, having people in place, and and not just you know we how how many times do you hear this, Steve? Well, the cupboards are full. Well, great, the cupboards are full, but but are like you know do do you ever make. Uh, do you ever pickle or make jams? No, but my grandmother did great strawberry jam. Okay. So like you, you couldn't eat the strawberry jam when you put it on the shelf, you had to let it, you, you, you know, you had to you pickling and takes time. Right. Well, it's the same thing with players. You can't just have a cupboard full of players. They have to be ready. The Carolina hurricanes have done a really nice job of having the cupboard and the shelf stock, but players ready. You know what? It's time to eat the strawberry jam. Let's go. Kaniacs, I'm, and like, and I'm going to go quickly to the Boston Bruins. Oh boy. You know what the problem with the Boston Bruins is? What? The Boston Bruins. They want to be the Boston Bruins of yesteryear. They want to be the Boston Bruins of yesteryear. You know what? Like that's that third and fourth line. Oh my God. Oh, that fourth line is terrible for the Bruins. And that third line isn't much better. They, they think they're going to go in there and be the big, bad Bruins. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what they are. Bad. Bad Bruins. That's what they are. The Canes, and you just look at, you know, from Martinuk to Natchez to Aho to Svechnikov to Stahl to try the Trocek help win game one. He won the Eric Holla matchup. So let's look at, you know, let's go. Mono Imano. He wins that matchup. The play to Tara Vinen. Like, do people know? Like, I think sometimes they look at the Canes and they. They, they think they're a whole bunch of B pluses, like all over the place. Maybe Aho is the A or the A minus. And then they got all these parts. And I look at them as relentless. Relentless means 
what the coach wants it to mean. 60 minutes or more of coming at you with not the best skill, but really, really good guys that can skate, can pass, can move. Like Natchez is such a good stick handler. He gives them extra depth because they brought in Domi and they, they moved it around. Kotkiniemi at four, then Stahl, Trocek, and Aho gives them the spine down the middle with a great defense. There's so much there. And I know what you're saying with the Bruins. They tried Coyle and Smith and Frederick and then this fourth line stuff. You taught me a long time ago about knowing your team at the deadline. The Bruins thought they're going for it. They thought they're going for it. And I don't know what they did on the Friday, whether they sent the wrong plane or what they wanted to do or when they thought, listen, we're at the end of the year. We, we, we got to rest and then go through the Carolina route. I thought that was the best thing for the Canes. Boston, not Tampa. And the Canes are proving it right now. Hey, the Bruins will probably win game three. It's about getting a split and coming back. I just think right now they would have to go to, was it Jack LaFontaine, the fourth goalie now? They, they would have to go, like something would have to really go wrong now. And it's already kind of gone wrong for the Canes. So remember the Bruins, like the Capitals, are a 100-point plus team. Like, that's how good it is to get to plus 18 above 500 more. They're really good, but it's like going to an all-star game. You get there and go, oh, I'm really good, but there's more really, really good people better than me. That's what the Eastern Conference is. It's tiers of excellence. So as good as the Caps are, they're winning. There's teams that are better. As good as the Bruins are, they're playing a better team. Now, the math, shame on the Canes now if, if it goes really, really wrong. So I'm proud of of what the Canes did. And it kind of, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, I'm, I'm making this decision. You're like, oh, I hope I got it right. I just think that there's so much to like about the Canes. And when they look around, like I think they, a par for them is to get to the Eastern Conference final, Craig. And I think we started with the Canes because you wanted to say, okay, I, I think it's a fair way of evaluating the depth of, now we've seen it in goal, on the blue line, and that, and those 12 forwards. Okay, so there you go, right? So like, you know, you talk about 12 forwards. So, you know, Aho is brilliant. You know what? That's Svechnikov is a brilliant player too. Yeah. You got Slavin on the blue line, right? And then, okay, so so you have those A's and then you have all the B pluses. Give them to me. Give them to me. I think the Bruins are going down in four. Oh, okay. Well, wait a second. They've scored five goals against the Canes this season. But all of a sudden they're going to do it. Like, I like the Hampus Lindholm edition. I love it. I love the Hampus Lindholm edition. Up front, they think they're going to, they got, they're slow up front. You know, they're going to try to, like I said, be the big bad Bruins. Give me a break. Anyway, so, I can't believe I picked them. I can't believe I picked them. You know no. what? I'm going to, I'm going to have to pay the price for that for a long time. Well, if Boston wants to change the narrative, they're going to have to do what Minnesota did because they had kryptonite and it was called the St. Louis Blues. An early, was it Bertuzzo stick break? That break, yeah. opening, so you get a break, literally. Uh, and then some of your big boys come to play. There was almost back-to-back -back hat tricks. It was kind of funny how that worked out. I guess some people didn't want to lose the hat to the Joel Erickson Eck hat trick, so they saved the hat to the KK97. I feel good yesterday because on the show I said it's got to be about KK97, although it really wasn't about him. There was a lot of other factors. And I think we could say that Minnesota was kind of due against St. Louis. So what did we learn last night or was last night just the better win to make sure the series goes at least six or seven games? Minnesota, they saved their season. They saved the series by just getting back to even par last night. 
well, they had to get back to even par. And, and the way they did it, like they did it in decisive fashion, like make no mistake about it. It wasn't like St. Louis was in the game and had opportunities. I mean, that game became two, three, four, nothing very, very fast. And, you know, what, what, what I thought for, for Minnesota, like Dean Evison said, listen, our penalty killing hasn't been very good and we can, and our discipline hasn't been great. And we're going to go and put ourselves in that kind of peril. Well, they didn't do that last night. They played hard. They were on the puck. They were after the St. Louis Blues. I, I, I really believe, Steve, that if you're going to have success against the St. Louis Blues, you got, you got to be able to play on their defense. You got to get in on their defense. It's a different blue line than the one that won the Stanley Cup. So you got to, and I thought the Minnesota Wild did an excellent job of doing that. And, and they leaned on them and they, and they forced them to do things a lot quicker than they're capable of doing. I, I think for Minnesota, what you saw on Wednesday night is the recipe. That's the recipe. That's the recipe. And this is what makes playoff hockey so great. You, you know, the ebb, the flow, the back, the fourth and everything, right? We saw how good St. Louis was on the power play, those top nine forwards. Now you see Minnesota come back. And I'm telling you what, uh, you and me, we were pretty much the same at the beginning that we could see all four goalies. Unless Marc-Andre Fleury, unless Marc-Andre Fleury has uh, food poisoning, Maybe he'll eat bad sushi or something. Okay. I don't see Mark Andre Fleury coming out of the net. Yeah. Going into game two, I was wondering, right? I was wondering what was, what's the response? I mean, we can talk about game twos are about responses. We're going to see it on Thursday. Uh, and we saw it on Wednesday because what we got was a Minnesota response. And the special teams battle, yeah, they killed four or five penalties. That's 80%. You'll take that. And they scored two of three power play goals. And they forced mistakes. The broken sticks, one thing. Yep. Tarasenko, the giveaway. to So they, they forced St. Louis. And that's how the Wild play. They're more about will than skill. They've got the skill. And St. Louis now, this isn't the, the team three years ago. They're more about skill than they were before. I like what you said about forcing the defense. So kudos to Dean Evison and company uh, for coming back and bouncing back, which is the MO. Like, I, 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 I forgot about the set. I forgot that the Lightning just don't lose back-to-back -back games. So everything that needed to happen in terms of headmen and point and Vasile, it was almost as if, is this the Hollywood script? So the guy gets the girl at the end again? Well, yeah, it's, it's a love story. Okay. And that's why Tampa loves these guys so much because guess what? They were never in trouble. They took two early penalties. Uh, and the Leaf power play is, is slumping. They were 30.3% in the regular season. They dropped to 27.3%. As somebody said on the air the other day, that's a 3% drop. No, it's not. 10% no, drop. Yep. That's a big difference. They've got one goal in the series on the power play, and it was a five on three. They're slumping. And what I see with Tampa, because point needed a bit of a pick-me-up. They use point in the bumper position. As good as the Leaf power play is, they don't use Tavares or Nylander. They're predictable when they get later in the year. They're scoutable and predictable. If they don't use that position... I'm sorry. Um, it's stagnant again. It's stagnant again. I would have Marner in the Ovechkin spot. Tavares in front on a one-timer because he shoots left. And Matthews behind him. That way you're thinking, where's Marner going? And Nylander's an option down low. It's predictable. And this group has had playoff failures on the, on the power play. While Tampa, see what they did? See the way they put it this way. You take dumb, dumb penalties, you lose in a dumb, dumb way. And Wayne Simmons after the game basically said, Kerfoot, the Simmons, you know what you're handing the Lightning? Gold. They're handing them gold in a must-win bounce-back game. 
The series, two games, game one and two, not even close. Not, the series is where it should be, Craig, at 1-1. No question about it. See, and last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs, Toronto ran right into that problem where their power play became predictable and stagnant against Montreal. Montreal just said, here, we know what you're going to do. Go ahead. You know, trying to mix it up and trying to move things around and, you know, trying to give your opponent multiple things to think about. I'll tell you that it becomes really hard to defend when, when your opponent is thinking, are they going to do this? Or are they going to do that? I love what you said about Mitch Marner because Mitch Marner can thread the needle. And now when you have multiple points of attack and multiple options, who, who I want to stick on, I want the puck on Mitch Marner's stick because he, he, he can make that play, right? Like he can make that play. And so I'm with you on that. And you, you know, you talk about Toronto and Tampa Bay. So Tampa Bay, you know, obviously you're not going to win the game unless you got some, some, some competitive initiative and intensity in your game. And right from the get-go on uh, Wednesday night, Tampa Bay had that. They, they, they had it. You, you could see they had it. And not, not that Toronto it, uh, was surprised or should be surprised, but you know, okay. So you now got to get your, they got their game here. Can, can, can you keep your game there? It wasn't about can Toronto get their game there. Can they keep their game there? Steve, it was five, one, in the third period. The game wasn't close. I know Toronto scored a couple late goals. There was some hope in the building, especially with the late uh, penalty and, and, and even that late power play, nothing, 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 nothing. And the way that Tampa Bay throws the puck around that play where Kucherov whips it high to Hedman and Hedman whips it right back down to Kucherov, right back into the bumper position. Yeah. Oh boy. Is that, was that a thing of beauty? You know, I don't know if you saw the end zone camera, like you're watching it. You're going like, there's no room out there. And those guys are taped to tape in like nanoseconds. So you want to keep playing like that. You want to give your, you, you want to give your opponent that type of uh, opportunity the skill of the Tampa Bay lightning along with the, when, when they put the will to, to work, you're in trouble. Yeah. And if you're going to be, what were they? Um, they had five power plays, but one was a five minute major. So 13 minutes of power play time in game one, um, seven power plays in game two, where they, they racked it up uh, and not penalties that save goals. Just dumb, dumb, dumb. Don't be pointing the fingers. Not one game so far on any of the nights has been referee decided. So to me, that's perfection. What they've done or haven't done. Yeah, I didn't think that was a penalty shot, the Brodeen call, whatever. But for the most part, what we're doing is the players have decided the game, um, game four from Wednesday. When that first shot squeaked through Mike Smith. Oh. So the thing about the Dardanelle Nurse play, he was going to get to it because I don't think it was going to go in anyway. If Nurse backhanded it off McDavid and in, I think the game changes. I think at that point, it's, oh, my God, how does that happen? But it didn't, Jerry. It didn't. And then slowly, a lot of other things happen. So if I'm the Oilers, I feel good about a lot of things because they're a nervous Nelly team. Craig, could you believe McDavid after game one basically admitted full house, uh, back in the playoffs? I thought to myself, wow, the, if they were 18, 19, 20, okay, I, I can understand. Well, they're not that young. So kudos responding, shorthanded power play, even strength, all that stuff just to get even, but it was a moment. And if that first goal went in, oh, because Smith, 
That was a little leakage, but after that, I got to give him his due. Um, first win as an Oiler in the playoffs. He had lost 10 straight playoff games in a row, Mr. Button. He better flip the script in La La Land. That's how I see it. Well, I, I you know, when that, like I'm in Calgary, so I'm watching that game in Calgary, and I can only tell you when that shot went through, my windows are open. It's spring, right? Yep. I could hear collective size of gas coming out of Edmonton, <laughs> which is which is 180 miles away, 300 kilometers away. And it was like, it was like, oh boy, right? And, you know, it, it, it's that type of, and then I'm watching, I, I am, I'm watching, you know, Mike, okay? Like after that though, I thought Mike was really, was really spot on. I thought he was spot on in his reads, spot on in terms of his positioning. He wasn't sloppy. Like there wasn't any of these accidental saves, whoopsies, you know, I thought he was real strong. Do you know what's amazing about the game, Steve? It's it, it, Edmonton played a great second period in game one. Jonathan Quick was excellent. But Dreisaitl scores right off the bat in, in the second period on the power play. And then I think the shorthanded goal really tilted the game into Edmonton's favor with respect to, it was almost like they, they got rewarded and it was just like they could just calm and ease into the game and play. And, you know, LA had some chances. They had some chances. They had some chances, but they weren't able to, because of Mike Smith's good solid goaltending. But at the same time, it's not like it's not like Edmonton dominated the scoring chances. You know, th they had them. Like the thing for the Edmonton Oilers, they're a better team, but they got to play like the better team. And if they're going to be a little bit lackadaisical, not that they were, or the goaltending comes up short, they're gonna they're gonna have a tiger by the tail. They're gonna have a tiger by the tail. Yeah. Um, even though series is tied because the Oilers won last night, a guy that you've talked about a lot. Um, is Matthew Deneau, or Philip Deneau. Um, wow, wow in game one, wow as a king. It's one of the things about the, the flipping of the guard and everything that's changing in Montreal, and maybe later we'll get into what Price said and what ends up happening, but um, I'm telling you, I, I, I love the money spent on him. I love, I love the dues. Uh, he'll be a bigger factor because they can match him up however they want. Uh, he ate up Brian Nugent Hopkins in game one because two of the goals was his line, and that was a matchup that I didn't think we'd see, 24 against 93, which is win for the LA Kings. Um, and I know you've loved him for a long, long time. I don't know if he'll ever score 27 regular season goals again, but when Arvidsson got out because he was hurt, they moved more over and I follow up. That became the best line of that night in the playoffs. I was just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just in awe how well someone who's not in that category plays up to the competition or up to the moment in the playoffs, Craig. I've watched Philip play since he was in Victoriaville in the Quebec League. And, and the one thing I can tell you about Philip, okay? Yep. You can always count on him, okay? You know what I call players like that, Steve? Important. Every team has important players, okay? And they might not, I mean, we're not talking, I'm not talking about the stars or the front line, you know, but players that are just really important to success. That's Philip Deneau. I've said this about Philip Deneau since I watched him in junior. I would never know what the score of the game was watching him play because he plays the game with a, with, with an intelligence and an intensity that is always at a high, high level. And, you know, obviously the playoffs, you know, pose different challenges, better players, dry sidle and McDavid, and he's right there. So what I would say to you with, with Philip, you know, he, here's, he, he, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to make a question and then a statement. Why did the Montreal Canadiens not put their chips on 
chips in on Philip Deneau, right? Because I'll tell you this, I bet on him every single day. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus play responsibly. Mr. Button, the beat goes on. Who are you going to bang the drum to? New York Rangers, only because the Pittsburgh Penguins have lost their first two goalies. I mean, is that amazing what Louis Domingue came and did? But like, Shesterkin's phenomenal. I don't think the Penguins, as well as they played in game one, can weather game two. And I'm taking the Panthers in game two on home ice. There's no way they're going 2 nothing down to Washington. Washington played exceptionally well in game one. The Panthers will come back in game two. We got, we'll have 1-1 one, one series going back to Washington and Pittsburgh. It's hard to argue against that because then both teams are in trouble with a capital P and R, I guess. So I'm going to do the four-game parlay because it's, it's in front of us. God bless Louis Domingue. He's a good cook. He's got a good cookbook. But I don't know if he can win a series. Might win a game or two. Rangers, Florida, Colorado, Calgary. Book them, Daniel. Book them, Mr. Button. We're going to Hawaii one day. <laughs> it's not going to be 5-0. It's going to be 4-0 on this Thursday, day four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's your parlay. We're trying to make you some money, folks. And remember, with the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. We love these guys and gals. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Bounce back has uh, been a theme. We saw it with Minnesota, obviously saw it with Tampa and saw it with Edmonton. So on Thursday nights, we've got Pittsburgh and Rangers. Can you believe we have two teams that in all theory are forced into a number three goalie? We got Casey to Smith. Not sure what happened. He left. We know what Tristan Jari's situation is. They, I don't think we're seeing him in the first round. Freddie Anderson, anti-Ranta. So we've got Pyotr Kochetkov, and I feel better with him than I do with Louis Domingue. God bless Louis Domingue for coming in and making 17 saves. So he's already done his job. If it's Louis Domingue for two, three, four, and beyond, your realism on Louis Domingue beating the New York Rangers, Mr. Craig Button, so what, so what, is this a real realism scale? On a scale of realism, yeah. Are we looking at realistically? Yeah, one out of 10. One out of 10. I can't, I can't say zero. You got you to give them some, uh, you got to give them some margin of, uh, of opportunity, but it, it's, it's one. And he's not I mean, an NHL, a, I don't know if he's looking, an NHL goalie. If there's 62 goalies in the league or 64 next year. He's not an, he's not an NHL goalie. Right. But we've seen, uh, and, and, and this is the thing, we've seen it in past where a goalie can come in and, you know, a team, a team gets energized and they, they play in front of them in, in, in a manner that they understand what they have to do. And then the goaltender does what he has to do. I just think that against the New York Rangers, it's just too much to ask. You know, if they were playing a different team and if it was the regular season, and, 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 and he isn't, he's not an NHL goalie. And I'm sure people, oh, yeah, he is. No, he isn't. He's not an NHL goalie. So then where, I mean, it's kind of like Colorado and Michael Hutchinson. Um, and I, I have Hutchinson. Bingo. Higher. 
Yep. And I got Hutchinson higher on my own personal third goalie list. So the Penguins have already accomplished what they wanted to tonight. So I don't know if they're going to trap it up. Uh, Tampa had three guys stacked up on the blue line yesterday. They were worried about the least five on five. So they had three guys stacked up. I don't know if the Penguins are going to do that. They've already won the game that in theory they could have lost. It was the right call, but they were down two nothing. And then they started to dominate the Rangers. So like we don't hear anything at playoff time. Should we, should we know where Freddie's at or Jari is at? I mean, obviously if I'm the Penguins and I know Casey DeSmith can play game three and Jari can play game four, I feel differently. Um, I'm, but if I know they're not coming back in the series, how do you fight the mental part of the game? Our good friend, Jamie McLennan told me when we were doing the show together, he goes, Steve, I thought I was a pretty good goalie, but in here I was a mental midget. I overthought everything and it didn't help me. So the players probably know the status, the mental game. Do we talk about it enough? Does it matter as much as some people think? Because to me, if I'm the Penguins and I know Jari's back game, I'm, I'm going in here saying, let's, let's get five tonight. Just give up four. You know, Dom, just give up four and we're going to get the job done. Uh, that's how I'd love to know the answers, even though I know we're not getting the answers. Well, and, and we know how t- teams are protective of their of their their players, and certainly their injured players, and probably to the greatest extent, injured goaltenders. Right? Like you're not <laughs> you're not giving away anything in there. So what I would say is, is that you, you're right. The, you, you know the focus. You know how you handle challenges, how you handle pressure. That's all part of being an athlete. And certainly, you know when you're when you're a goaltender and the spotlight's a little bit brighter on you, you know, like, the, the, like Jamie talked about it. I overthought everything, right? H- how do you get players into a relaxed state, right? How do you get, I, I think what's really interesting about Louie is what, what did he have before he was going in before the, in between the second and third overtime, you know, barbecue pork and broccoli. Like, I mean, I mean, that tells me that he's pretty relaxed, like, you know, like, but he's probably also thinking I'm not going into the game, but he got in there and he played. One thing I will tell you about Louie, is Louie does have a, a relaxed demeanor. Like he, he does have a relaxed demeanor and, and, you know, you go into the game and you just go, okay, I'm just going to give it the best I got. I don't think Louie is, is got any illusions about what he is or what he isn't. I, I, I just go on and play. And if I'm Mike Sullivan and I'm working, I just, Louie, just give us what you got. Just, we're not going to ask you to do more. I, you've heard me say this about Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter is so good because what he says to players is it doesn't matter who you are here's where I think your game is at. Here's what I need from you. You know what? I'm going to put you in positions where you can, where you can be the best you can be. Just don't give me less. So I think that that's the message for Louis Domingue going into this game, how Mike Sullivan wants to handle it. I thought that they played great on, on, on Tuesday. I thought they played great. If it wasn't for Shesterkin, that game is over multiple times way early. Shesterkin was unbelievable. If you look at the slot shots, the inner slot shots, the rush chances, uh, it, it's unbelievable how much Pittsburgh dominated the New York Rangers. So m- m- maybe, maybe it's as simple as this. Let's just play the same game. And Louis, just, just do what you can. Just do what you can. And, t- and you're also t- reminding your team, hey, listen, Louie, you know what? You got in there. Have you had your barbecue pork? You know, that's the pregame speech. Have you had your barbecue pork, uh, Louie? You know, let's go, right? Like, and, and keep it relaxed. Dave. And I'm going to get to it in rapid fire with you, but uh, on, 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 on a subject of Mike Sullivan. But this is a, this is a team. You asked me prior to the playoffs, am I – not giving Sidney Crosby his due. <laughs> and 
How good was Sidney Crosby in game one? Like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, p- people listening to the podcast, you just didn't see Steve just kind of go, yeah, how good was he? It, the eyes light up. And, and, and I'm going to say one other thing too. I'm listening to the broadcast. I am so sick and tired. Here's my, here's my rant. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of hearing people talk about Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's been a great player in this game. Oh, assist and the winning goal. And I don't know why people want to go after Evgeny Malkin. I, I have no idea. I hear it on the panels. I hear it in the broadcast. Shut up. This guy is one of the best that this game has ever seen. He's one. Of, he should have been one of the best 100 players in league history. He got robbed there. He is a, a, a top-notch player. Bugs me. That's what's bugging me today. It's good. And uh, what bugs me is so Sydney turns the game around. Cop scores. It's two nothing. Yep. Sydney fires the puck down the ice. He's pissed off at himself because uh, he rimmed it. He it was his fault. Yep. He, you know they're not rimming. We don't play rimming hockey anymore. If you're gonna get it out and eat the icing, eat the icing. Next shift gets the assist. Shift after that, it's two two. It's Crosby. And I'm not taking anything away from Gensel and Rust and these other players, but I use McDavid and Crosby as an example. They thread needles that others dare try. So they give other people, because we talk about how important goals are, and they are, but these first assists that are so special that McDavid and Crosby come up with are as good as goals. And I call them as good as gold. So when McDavid does it and makes it one nothing or 2-1 or whatever, or McDavid's getting PK time, by the way. He, they, that's one thing uh, Jay Woodcroft, he puts him on end of the PK where you're not getting the best unit. You're getting two defensemen, and then McDavid goes at him, and he's getting power PK assists. Anyway, so Crosby goes out and does his thing, and then McDavid or Crosby is in the scoring spot, and they need the puck back the way they deliver it. And they can't. Pugliarvi can't. Kane can't. Gensel can't. And if they could, they would be even greater. As if if they played with each other or someone that can return the favor. Wayne gives it to Yari, and as good as Yari is, he can't. And, and then that extra goal or point doesn't happen. So I see Sid threading these needles, and then he gets to a spot. There was one great spot after he tied up the game 2-2 with the assists. Gensel's got it. Sid heads to the net, lifts up the defenseman's stick, and needs the puck. Gensel couldn't get it to him. And I just thought, that's the thing about greatness is, if there was another league on another planet, and they called down, and they say, give us 87 and 97, because that's what they said about Bobby Orr. Wasn't that Bobby Clark's line? Yep. Bobby's only in this league because there isn't another better one in the universe. (laughs) Think about little things like that where Sid turned the narrative of that game. And I don't think because it went to quadru- uh, triple overtime that he got enough credit on that. He was pissed at himself and took it upon himself to change the narrative of the game. 2005, Sidney Crosby entered the league. His, his, his level of brilliance, his level of competitive fire hasn't diminished one little bit. Like it's unbelievable. Like it is. And Steve, what you just said there to it, and everybody says, oh, it's easy to play with great players. No, it isn't because they think at a higher rate, they have skills that other people don't. And when they want the puck, you got to be able to get the puck. Now, Sydney's so good. He recognizes that the players he's playing with, and you just brought up Wayne and Yeri, and you've heard me tell this story before the penny dropped like Yeri was a great player. And I'll tell you what, 
Wayne Gretzky would have never had the point production he had without Gary Curry playing with him. There's no way. And that's, you know, that is, you know, the, uh, the, the challenge for Connor McDavid. He doesn't have a Gary Curry. I watch the games. You watch the games. The number of chances that he creates, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what he creates. Crosby, right? I mean, when he was in his, like, not in his, he's still in his heyday. When he was Kunitz and Dupuis. And, and a big reason they were able to play with him is because they could they, they were competitive and quick and they could think. They might not be able to execute at the same level, but they could think of it. And what you're sometimes trying to do, Steve, is you're, is you're trying to keep players like Crosby and McDavid in, in, in a state of calm where they don't get frustrated. And they're smart enough to understand who they're playing with, and then let's go, right? You know, and, and you're right. Those, they want the puck, and they want it when they want it. And if you can't deliver it or even try to deliver it when they want it, you got no chance to play with them. No chances. Nashville, Connor Ingram, uh, Dallas was better, but I was never worried for Calgary. I never. I mean, I joke around. It almost reminds me of the uh, Jamie Ben goal, Kerry Price, Canada, USA semifinal game where it was never, it was never in doubt. Patrick King said, oh, you know, we lost one, nothing. Patrick, when were you going to score? Your only chance went through his legs wide the other side of the net. But anyway, I never felt for the Flames. I never, the high danger chances in the game were 5 4 Calgary. Five, no, they four. weren't. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. No? High danger. No, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't. Dallas had one slot shot at even strength. Oh, even one, strength. And even one, strength. wait a second, and one slot shot on the power play. They had two the entire game. Sport logic. Okay. The most comprehensive data analytics in hockey. Okay, so um, I'm not going to throw my people under the bus, but, but two or four is not enough on a Markstrom and company, uh, which leaves us before we wrap up Capitals. Hey, Uyghur, giveaway. He was angry about an icing Ooh. call. That's the mental part. He couldn't bury the icing. You're going to be complaining in game one up to one about an icing. People, leave it alone. And then he goes right into the eye of the trap. He wants to go through Ovechkin, okay, picked Kuznetsov, tied. Next shift, who's got the puck? Claude Giroux. What's he doing? Sending an eye-high pass to an open wing. Claude, okay. Orlov, Backstrom, Oshie. You know what that was? Five of the older Capitals going, you just got cute. I remember Sugar Ray Leonard said once in a sparring match on a boat, just don't get cute. And the boxer got cute and Sugar Ray knocked him out. The Capitals went, we're in this. We're in this. Here we go. Yep. You go into Ovechkin, 2-2. Two, two. You throw Claude Giroux Frisbee. And then the, hey, so Florida, let's see what you got. It's Our theme on the show today is bounce back. I'm looking forward to a better bounce back in South Florida tonight, Mr. Button. What did you think about the Caps before we go? They were great. I thought the Catholic Caps totally earned that victory. They showed what playoff hockey is. We're, we're, we're going to play our game. And, you know, don't beat yourself. I say this all the time. You have to treat every single play in a game as critically important because you don't know what play is going to end up being critically important. So you got to treat them all as, as it come playoff time. Caps did and the Cats didn't. Well said, my friend. Before we wrap things up, don't forget about our buddy, Paul Cohen, ultimate hockey fans, not a person or a group of people, a must for every hockey basement, ceiling fans, puck-like fixtures, 
or even something he'll make for you specifically. UltimateHockeyFans.com is the website forward slash cool button pod for our discount. These things are flying off the shelves. It's a great time of the year for the young entrepreneurs. Craig, are you ready? We got a little audition here of rapid fire for Steve Coolius. I'm always ready. You born ready. ready. I'm like Top Gun, born ready, born ready. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two-parter here on Rod Brindamore. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he the best coach in the National Hockey League? Hall of Famer, I'll say no. I hope he's not listening. Best coach in the NHL. If he's not, he's top three in my mind. Top three. Is Victor Hedman the best defenseman in the National Hockey League? Not necessarily the Norris Trophy winner, but the best defenseman, Alan Nick Lidstrom. Yes, and he's been for three years. He would have won it last year, the Norris, if he was healthy. He played through injuries, which let Adam Fox win it. That's what happened, folks. Who's the most spectacular defenseman in the National Hockey League? Two words, Kale McCarr. What a goal that was. Wasn't that something? Like, like it, how fantastic is he? Like, I mean, you talk about he's got a blank canvas every time he goes out there, and boy, he paints like Da Vinci. He's He's unbelievable. That move was what we call in the skills camps. Not me. It's a Hockey Canada Tier 3, Tier 4 instructors. It's called walking the dog. Picture this. You're walking the dog. He lets the winger up top think that, uh-oh, the puck's going over here. And right when the dog is running, it runs back the other way. He pulls it back, comes in. That is elite, elite skill, ladies and gentlemen. Felt sorry for David Riddick. I feel sorry for the Predators. Um, they might end the series after three games. Oops. Was that out loud? Daryl Sutter was right. It's going to be a miserable eight days, whoever plays Colorado. Okay, finish the sentence. After three days of NHL playoffs, the officiating has been 7.25. 7.25 out of 10. You're a hard marker. Why do you give it a 7.25? I think that the arms have gone up when they have thought instead of known a bit more than I thought. So I started eight. I dropped a little bit because I think we're just seeing call what you see, not what you think you see. From the other angle, oh, he didn't get him or it wasn't impeding him. So it hasn't changed any results. And I was an A first night, eight. I'm at 7.25. Just call what you know. And you're not sure. Leave the arm down. I think the arm goes up when I know I'm right, Jerry. I know I'm right. I think it's going up a little too. And some of the newer, younger refs are doing it more, I think, than the veterans. We're going to talk about this next Monday because we have a fundamental disagreement here on the playoff officiating. I'm going to make one quick comment. I think the people that are complaining about officiating – just zip your lip because you're the same people that talk about standards and everything. Not you. I'm talking about people. We'll talk about it Monday. I have a lot higher grade for the playoff officiate. Everybody said, oh, are they going to keep the standard? Yeah, really? Okay. Let's go here. Nazem Kadri. Did you read his Players Tribune article? No, but I heard somebody say it's a must read talking about Calgary, Toronto, and winning the Stanley Cup. Talking about himself, his love for the Toronto Maple Leafs, a recognition of himself, must read. Please read that. We'll talk about it on Monday. Is Mark Scheifele this year's Vladimir Tarasenko? Yep. He's not going anywhere. He will 
kiss and make up with the Winnipeg Jets. And I think sometimes in life, you talk about uh, ripping the officials. Sometimes in life, it's better to grip it and zip it. Something I learned uh, a long time ago. Two ears, one mouth. Use them proportionately. Wow. <laughs> Except on a podcast or the, the podcast would sound like this. Well, Doug Armstrong, he sat back, he listened, and he said, hey, you know what? We're going to work this out. Tarasenko had a brilliant year. I will finish with this in episode 62 on the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Before we return for 63, I was born in 63. Did you know that? Yes. That's a long time ago. You know, Toronto Maple Leafs won their second Stanley Cup. My mother was punching like secretary. She had back-to-back cups, just so you know. Anyway, uh, I'm going to finish with this. I think Mike Sullivan is a brilliant, brilliant coach. You know, going into the playoffs, you know, we look at teams, we look at goaltending, right? I got to do a better job of evaluating the coaches because there's coaches that bring a team up and there's coaches that bring a team down. Mike Sullivan always brings his team up. And for Steve Coolings, I'm Craig Button. We'll see you on the 1963 edition of the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. If you do the math, you're right. I'm 59.